Welcome to Field and Foley episode 13. Today I have the honor of welcoming extraordinary talent to the show, Julie Elven, a renowned soundtrack vocalist, concert soloist and musician based in Munich, Germany. Julie's career has seen her collaborate with Hollywood's finest composers. Her captivating voice has graced a multitude of iconic projects, including the Grammy long-listed and BAFTA-winning video game Horizon Forbidden West. Her ethereal vocals have added depth and emotion to scores for the Gran Turismo movie, League of Legends, World of Warcraft Legion, and many, many more. Beyond the recording studio, Julie is a seasoned concert soloist, having performed with esteemed orchestras and ensembles worldwide. Her live performance at the Game Awards 2021, accompanied by Lorne Balfe and the Game Awards Orchestra, reached an astounding 85 million viewers, making it a historic moment in the world of music and gaming. Julie's journey is not just about singing, though. It's about creating unforgettable moments through her music. Join us today as we delve into her incredible career, her passion for storytelling through sound, and her remarkable contributions to the world of music, gaming, and beyond. Welcome, Julie, and thank you for coming on the show. Hi, thank you so much. Oh, wow, what an introduction. Thank you. Very kind. Yeah, I'm, as I said before, I mean, it's, it's hard to, like condense everything and I wanted to get at least the most important parts and I didn't even mention that you like worked for the production company from for Hans Zimmer which is also like a highlight so oh, it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's not easy getting your career into like two sentences so. oh my god thank you <laughs> yeah thank you I feel very honored um yeah when when you say it like this I'm I'm just like blushing over here so yeah uh, yeah very happy that that has that effect <laughs> and yeah so my, my first question would be with all those like big jobs and, and mm -hmm. big soundtracks. Do you record uh, at your home studio for big productions or um, are you like in studios uh, for your for your productions uh, from, from the companies you work with? Um, yeah, so almost all of the projects I've done in those 10 years that I've been in this industry have been um, recorded from my home studio here in Munich, Germany. So yeah, I just collaborate with composers all over the world and game teams and <laughs> music teams. And yeah, so I've uh, really specialized in this remote recording um, situation. Ah, oh, that's that's so cool to hear. Thanks. Um, and I asked that because I'm I'm thinking that a lot of listeners that maybe are not as as well versed in the audio world but are interested in listening, mm -hmm. they maybe think like, okay, yeah, for Hollywood great stuff, you're probably going to be in like a big recording studio. But hearing that, that's that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's always like what people imagine. And um, for example, to be fair, if I would be in LA. That would probably be true, even though a lot of LA musicians and colleagues also record from their own studios nowadays because just traffic in LA can be so exhausting <laughs> and take such a long time. So a lot of people do remote recording these days. But of course, um, if I was in maybe in London or in LA, I would be more at the studios of composers, probably. Um, but as I am here in Munich, Germany, I record all the projects here in my home studio. And yes, also, for example, for the new Gran Turismo movie uh, with composer Lauren Balfe, that was also recorded here in my own studio. And many, many musicians from the game industry were involved as well. So it was like a huge international collaborative effort. Um, yeah. That's that's very cool. Um, and. Can you maybe walk us a bit through your process of recording at home? Like, do you have a schedule of things to do and then you just stay in contact with people and you, you send stuff back and forth to collaborate? Or do you do maybe also live uh, recording sessions with, with different musicians and, and talents? Yeah, so it's um, so every project is very unique and every project is different there. But I mostly um, enjoy the recordings in my own like time frame. <laughs> so because, you know, deadlines are already super extreme in our industry. So um, I really enjoy to kind of be an architect of the vocals <laughs> and kind of try different approaches just um, in a relaxed way. But also a lot of my colleagues really enjoy um, the live remote recordings, which are also like incredible increasingly um, more popular. Nowadays, I do those too, 
Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy either being at the studio with a person, uh, yeah, with a composer in person or just recording a little bit in my own time <laughs> here in my home studio. And then I send vocals for approval and like different takes to a composer. And then they um, give me feedback and I might change a few things or do additional recordings. And it's like a, a very nice back and forth most of the time. That's, that's great to hear, yeah. And uh, yeah, maybe can you give us a bit more details about your setup at home? It's like, yes. what kind of microphones <laughs> do you use? How did you set this all up? Um, I mean, I've seen from your from your photos of the website mm -hmm. that you have like plants and make it a bit um, yeah. <laughs> like jungle jungly, uh, which I really like. Like, just make yourself comfortable at home. Um, I also try that with my home studio. It's like, uh, it's the best thing if you have your, your space. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think just now when we had the Zoom call before we started this recording, I saw a bit of your studio, right? It yeah, looked yeah. amazing. <laughs> a little corner, yeah. <laughs> really nice. Um, yeah, so um, basically my whole home is like a music studio jungle. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So it's like lots of plants and lot of lots of like musical instruments. I have my upright piano here from when I was a child. And uh, it's still one of my, it is my favorite instrument. And um, yeah, so I have the recording corner that is um, more like of a vocal recording studio. So I don't have like really expensive speakers or monitors or anything because I'm not really mixing or anything. Mm -hmm. I just have my, okay, let's see, what do I have here? I have the studio desk, of course. Um, I have a, um, a laptop, which I record the, the music on. Um, I use Cubase as a recording software. And then I have an Apogee Duet. Mm -hmm. um, and that goes into one of my two tube microphones, uh, typically. So one of them is um, the SE Electronics R&T microphone. And the other one I use is the Manly, um, let me see, what is the name of it? <laughs> Manly Cardioid Reference Microphone. So both of them are like high-end tube microphones. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoy the warmth and bigger than life effect that both of them bring, like the tube microphones bring in general. Um, Yeah, and so I have like the power supply units of both of the microphones also here. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much the setup. Then everything uh, goes into the Isovox vocal booth. Mm -hmm. So that really helps me to have a very clean recording sound, even though it's like a home setting. Yeah. That's great, yeah. I mean, it's and it looks very comfortable and it's... I mean, if, for someone that doesn't maybe know about those microphones, they are probably very expensive. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, <laughs> if you know if you know those types, you know that like there's money behind that. But otherwise, you would see that screenshot or or that photo mm -hmm. and would think, okay, that's like a, like an amateur singer at home. Yeah, it's not very like it. It, it is a very simple setup, and honestly, yeah. I feel you don't really need more nowadays. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and for example, um, the theme of Horizon um, back in the day was Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, I recorded that and the World of Warcraft theme and the League of Legends, both of the themes, I recorded them with, with a very simple Rode NT1A microphone. Mm. So for people who don't know what that is, it's like a um, entry-level microphone, but it's very sturdy, it's very good. And I feel it's, just speaking for vocalists here, I feel it's much more important to find a microphone that fits your voice and timbre mm. um, instead of just going for the most expensive ones on the market. So, yeah. Um, and then after a few years of doing that, I um, upgraded to those two tube microphones. Um, and of course, I do notice a difference in the quality. But um, still, I did a lot of the recordings. Like I built my whole career mm -hmm. <laughs> recording with the Rode NT1A. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a bit the, the point I was trying to make, that it's interesting to see how in, in recent years, I mean, it's many years now, but um, that, that people start to notice that you don't need a massive studio yeah. setup to make Hollywood great uh, music and art. And exactly. um, that's something that's also like, that was also very interesting for me when I started out because mm -hmm. I, um, I do mostly sound design for video games, but it's like the microphones are important to me because I, yeah, I'm a microphone nerd and I like very many different types of microphones. Yes. So I, have, <laughs> I have a lot of them, but it's like, I have microphones that cost like maybe 50 euros or something. And I do stuff with that, that, yeah, that is high grade stuff. That is high quality stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, just like you said, you just have to find the right 
right type of microphone. And nowadays, um, even the entry levels are amazing. And yeah, just speaking of Horizon, um, that's the first time I heard your voice and I didn't know it was you, <laughs> but I heard this and I heard it in the new trailer and I was thinking like, oh man, they, they brought the same vocalist um, because I could feel like it was the same the same style and the same energy and the same, mm -hmm. I don't know, it's the same feeling somehow. And that's actually how I came um, to like know you. Uh, I mean, oh. from afar, from Twitter, but that's how I like researched wow. you. I didn't know and that. Then, yeah, <laughs> and then I saw you like on the big that's stage, nice. um, that, that massive orchestra performance. I was blown away and I was just thinking, yeah, wow. I have to talk to you because it's interesting to hear where you, where you came from and, and what you did. So thank you. So one of the, the questions I always ask my guests and I also wanted to ask you is, um, for you, what is the first sound you ever recorded and, and why did, did you record it? Oh my God, the first sound. Yeah. Oh, now you put me on the spot here because it was many, many years ago. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. I remember, oh, do you mean the first sound I recorded myself or where someone recorded me? You can tell me both. Uh, I mean, whatever is interesting or whatever comes to mind first. It's 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 really just a question to to ask because yeah, yeah I, I love that. A lot of lot of people mm -hmm. don't ask that question. I find it interesting because people then think back what what the first exposure to recording was, and that's always an interesting take. True. Okay, I would have to go back like to when I was a little kid, maybe five years old or something and we recorded ourselves on like what was that back in the day like a cassette player yeah probably. we recorded our like singing on christmas for my grandpa because he couldn't be with us or we couldn't be with him so um yeah i, I remember thinking that our voice like my voice sounds very strange recorded in a recorded way yeah. i think how this is how everyone feels but it was it was such a like heartwarming memory because we made all of this for my grandpa. Um, and, and then like the professional recordings, um, I, so I started out playing the piano and violin originally, and I always sang, but I didn't know if I would be a vocalist or maybe a composer or just something with music. And um, so when I found out that you can actually record yourself and build a little recording studio at home. I was so fascinated by it because I thought like how amazing would it be to record like the the compositions I had in my mind and which I played on the piano, but then layer my own violin playing over it and then the singing. Mm. So that was like the initial spark of, of inspiration kind of. And I, I think the very first thing I recorded was my piano <laughs> in a very like crappy way. <laughs> yeah. That, that is a nice memory, like recording, recording for Christmas and uh, yeah. probably sending the cassette on, on the post. Yeah, I think so. I don't fully remember because we yeah. were all so small, like also my, my siblings. What, now, now I'm really curious what your memory is. Oh yeah, so like the funny thing is that the first time I asked myself that question, um, and I think mm -hmm. even a guest asked me that, and I was like, yeah, when I got my first Zoom uh, like six or so years ago, I recorded a thunderstorm, and I found it interesting to hear afterwards, mm. like on my on my headphones, how deep the bass was from the thunder, and oh, how wow. much cooler the recording was than I I thought at first. Uh -huh. um, but I'm I'm pretty sure that wasn't the first time. And now that you got me thinking about it, I'm I'm very sure that the first thing we recorded was also as kids with cassettes, like no. our own radio show or something, uh, uh -huh. stupid jokes or something like that. I'm pretty sure I did that at my at my grandma's house with my cousin, yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful that I now that's think cool. about that. That's oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you asked the right question there. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that question and uh, it's it's always an interesting story behind that. Now I have to go and like look at all your previous episodes and listen to all the people who, how they answer the question. Yeah, please do. There are, a lot of them are amazing. Like, um, mm -hmm. especially I, I can just out of all of them, I would pick um, episode three first with uh, Jess Riley French. This one was, mm -hmm. was really awesome, heartwarming and interesting. Wow, nice. Um, okay, but no spoilers. So you all have to hear the episode for yourselves. <laughs> We have to now. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, going back to to Horizon because Horizon Zero Dawn like was the first thing that that uh, yeah I noticed you in, and I was wondering when you were walking on Horizon Zero Dawn. I mean, it it received a BAFTA nomination and it was like a, a massive massive hit. So, mm -hmm. what my question was, what what was it like to contribute to such a critically acclaimed game? And I mean, 
I, I would guess like when you were working on the game, you wouldn't necessarily know first that there's, that would be such a big hit, right? Yeah, yeah we, we didn't know that. I think no one really on the team was entirely sure how it would be perceived when it came out. Um, so there was like a big difference how we worked on Horizon 1 and Horizon 2, mm -hmm. basically, <laughs> like Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. Um, on the first game, um, of course, also I was kind of like a beginner <laughs> still. I had just started the recording journey for like three years or something. And um, so, yeah, I, I just noticed watching the very first footage that they had, it was like what would become the E3 trailer 2015. Mm -hmm. And I saw that and I saw Aloy for the first time and I was just fascinated with this character and this kind of lush world. And then I asked um, Joris, uh, the composer, I was like, but isn't this supposed to be like a post-apocalyptic world? Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, but it's like lush and green and there's like robot dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I just thought this concept was so cool. Um, so I was instantly fascinated with this world of Horizon. And um, yeah, then we recorded the soundtrack and everything with our like amazing composer team, uh, Joris Deman um, and The Flight and Niels van der Leest. And um, yeah, so for me also that was, I would say, a career-defining project um, because I, I do have like a very... Um, distinct way of using my singing voice. Mm -hmm. I use a lot of breathiness. And so before that, um, it was just like, oh, this is the singer who has like a bit of an unusual, maybe unique style of singing. Mm -hmm. And after Horizon, it was like, okay, this is the like Horizon singing sound now. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So it kind, of, <laughs> it kind of became a reference or like a career defining moment also for myself. And I think for the whole music team, um, yeah, I'm just grateful to have been a part of it, really. Yeah. And then in um, the the second Horizon, Horizon Forbidden West, we we saw how how big of a success it actually was, and we were mind blown by that. And so for the second one, we already knew like who is Aloy, <laughs> what's her path, and a lot of the like sound palette and musical um, styles were already like set and defined. So yeah. It, it was really nice. And also, of course, because there were years apart um, between working on Horizon 1 and 2, also my vocal style and the vocal itself changed a little bit. So how Aloy grew, mm -hmm. <laughs> grew into yeah. adulthood and grew as a person, also my voice changed. Um, yeah. So you grew with her. That's that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Aloy. Sure. Of course. I, I mean, Aloy in the first game, she's. I think she's like eighteen or something. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. So I wasn't as young, <laughs> but but still. Um, so in the in the first game, I used a lot more like breathiness, um, and in the second game, I I used much more chest voice um, because she was much more assured of who she was already. Mm. Yeah. In the second one, yeah, that fits the character well, and that brings me to my to a question that also ties perfectly into that. How do you approach bringing a character or world to life through your voice? Do you like sit down and 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 think about the characters like being and their yeah the characteristics or what's your process there? Um, I definitely closely collaborate with the composers. So um, I, I listen to their vision for the music and also, you know, um, the like cinematic music and soundtrack music is very uh, emotionally descriptive already. Mm. So it kind of describes already a lot of things about the character, um, about the world they're living in, their personality. Um, but I, I just think it's so fascinating to collaborate with with the composer and sometimes also with the whole team. I see like footage <laughs> um, of, of gameplay or of the character or different scenes. Um, and so, yeah, then we determine kind of where does the voice fit there. And um, it's kind of um, different from project to, to project. So in some projects, um, the composer has a very defined um, vision of what the vocal should sound like in every single part of the song <laughs> or the track. And in other um, games, for example, in Horizon, um, Joris Deman, one of the composers, he oftentimes gave me a lot of freedom to just express in the way that I would interpret her. So, um, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, speaking of uh, of the composers, I mean, you've worked with so many renowned composers, for example, like James Newton Howard, which is... A, like yeah, a, yeah, I was uh, so lucky there. A monument, <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Um, can you share like a memorable experience from your collaborations with, with one of them or like anything that stands out to you? Oh, th there are so many memorable <laughs> experiences at this point. I've been doing this for many, many years. Um, for me, really... Being on stage with James Newton Howard um, and meeting him beforehand and then collaborating with him on stage, that was very special. I was very intimidated as well <laughs> because I have ha hadn't been in the soundtrack world for a long time at that point, but I won the video audition. So he, he did like a call for, for um, a video audition in Europe. And so a lot of people could send um, their their takes of the hanging tree and so the hanging tree mm. is that song from the hunger games yeah are you are you coming to the tree i think everyone has heard it on the radio mm -hmm. <laughs> and on the soundtrack and so i sent that in and i won that for um the concert in vienna and uh, yeah so it was just incredibly special to meet him and to um sing that track with him on stage uh, with the Czech National Symphony Orchestra. And, you know, just imagine uh, like there was um, at, at first you only heard that little voice of mine kind mm -hmm. of starting the song. And then more and more of the choir would come in with each like part. And then the orchestra would come in more and more. So it felt very powerful. Um, and I will never forget that moment. And also my, my, my grandma in, in Austria, she could see it. It was her, I think, first concert that she ever saw in her life. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, and my, yeah, a part of my Austrian family could be there and, and watch it. And that was just incredibly special. And also like my, of course, my mom and dad and sisters. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm already getting goosebumps thinking about this. No. Those those uh, moments when it's like building up and mm -hmm. up and just as you say, like the core comes in and the orchestra comes in. And it's like, ah, oh, it's amazing. It was very special. Uh, yeah, I can, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Must must feel very like powerful and emotional then. Um, and how do you prepare for such a live performance? I mean, especially when it involves music from, from video games or film. Mm -hmm. Do you like study the material beforehand or do you try yes, to put your spin course. on it? Of course, <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course yeah. you study. <laughs> <laughs> We prepare it beforehand. Yeah, so the just like to give a timeline to the listeners. Um, so the James Newton Howard performance that was in 2017. Mm -hmm. And it was actually like one of my first performances with an orchestra. So mm -hmm. I was still kind of new to this. <laughs> But thankfully, it all went well. And then um, I have been um, performing with orchestras ever since, so almost every year. And it's mainly video game music concerts. So I tend to sing like my um, my original vocals from the Horizon scores, mm -hmm. but also like music from different video games. Yeah. So, uh, yes, we to come back to your question, <laughs> we always prepare, of course, um, Oftentimes, because the orchestras are in different countries in Europe, mm -hmm. yeah. um, oftentimes I just prepare for myself. I try to honor the original material um, and the original singer while still putting like my own spin on it a little bit. And yeah, it's it's just a lot of it, it's like preparing for a marathon, honestly. <laughs> so I, I just try to practice um, the material at first, maybe it's just like half an hour a day. And then right before the performances and the concert tour, for example, I try to practice maybe three hours a day, mm. just so that my voice is in really, really good shape and the muscle memory can really do its magic, kind of, <laughs> and can do its thing, hopefully. Um, and yeah, and then... Um, coming together with the orchestra just maybe a few days before we start with the tour. Then we um, just rehearse together for a few times. And yeah, then, then we just start and do the shows or the one concert or several ones. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that, that sounds like something I'm, I'm also uh, pretty much trying to find uh, something near me and try to experience because I, I, oh, I've nice. seen like... The first um, video game concert I saw actually was the the Legend of Zelda um, video concert. Oh, um, that's in amazing! Munich, and it was absolutely mind blowing. Yeah. And you could see so many people like my age, and you could tell mm -hmm. they played like the first Zeldas on NES or on mm -hmm. on the Game Boy. And 
what yeah i mean especially for ocarina of time and 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 the game boy one link's awakening were my two like mm -hmm. biggest games because link's awakening i actually played when i was i think nine years old or something oh that's the game beautiful boy. memories <laughs> yeah and especially i mean that that was the first thing that really got me into video game making because mm -hmm. i was so amazed uh, of how many hours of content they put into this little Game Boy game. Wow. I mean, later on, I found out that the, the bigger Game Boy titles had actually uh, additional like stuff on the cartridges. So uh -huh. that's, like, they could fit so many things in there and, and mm -hmm. so many yeah cool cool features. But uh, still, I, 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 I vividly remember that the music especially was, was so cool, mm -hmm. even if, if it was Game Boy music. And of course, later on, Ocarina of Time and all the other ones. Um, and so this was really special seeing that with a with with singers and on a on a big big uh, orchestra that was amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I can imagine like the Horizon soundtrack must sound amazing. So yeah, I will keep on the lookout. So <laughs> when I see a concert of yours in my area, I will be definitely going there. Nice. So the the next ones will be uh, in February actually nice. um, of the next year in the Netherlands. That's like a small tour. Mm -hmm. And then I might be doing another concert in April in Spain, but that is still to be confirmed. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's good to hear. Uh, we can also put those um, two dates in the description for people that want to check it out because they, they might get updated. And so, yeah, check out the description, people. Nice. That is, yeah, that is something I can really recommend um, seeing that live if you have a fable for the, for the video game music. I, I mean music because I, I feel like we don't have to say video game music anymore because I, I mm -hmm. feel like there's not much difference in quality it's just it's just good music that's very true yeah, yeah it's it's just very cinematic in nature yeah. yeah and oftentimes it's like even more content than for a movie because you have like yes. for a movie you have maybe two maybe three hours of material mm -hmm. but for a video game sometimes you have <laughs> hours and hours of stuff yeah like 80 hours music. or something yeah, 80 hours yeah. and then you have those dynamic music mm -hmm. pieces that are like yeah, you can then make a CD and make tracks out of it, but the real like track is always changing depending on how you play. So, yeah, uh, that's something interesting. Yeah, coming back to like um, performancing, um, do you have anything where you say like this was like a very challenging piece and that you had problems with to perform? Like something that maybe yeah was was a very challenging thing to sing or challenging to put your spin on it or something like that. Mm, so. Um, all in all, I just love a good challenge of kind of singing very different styles or like singing in very different ranges <laughs> between all the pieces in, an, in, an, in a concert. So I kind of love to kind of dive into a material and then see how I can interpret it and together with the orchestra. Um, I remember very vividly from... Um, the concerts with um, North Netherlands Orchestra. It's um, the North Netherlands Orchestra. Um, and it's one of the oldest orchestras in the Netherlands, very renowned. Um, and I remember we were performing, I, I think I was singing seven or eight pieces during that concert. Um, and one of them was from Bloodborne. Oh, it was nice. a theme from Bloodborne and it was so like majestic and dark and cool. <laughs> and you know, the people had just seen me like sing Horizon and like lush green mm -hmm. scenery, everything very fairy-like <laughs> kind mm -hmm. of things. Um, and then it was like The Witcher, the lullaby of woe <laughs> oh, nice. and then Bloodborne. So very like dark. And I really enjoyed to kind of that we surprised the audience a little bit with that. <laughs> But in Bloodborne, there is this one part where the soprano sings a high G, just kind of, um, how do you say, on the spot. So you kind of mm -hmm. wait for the orchestra to play. And then at one point, you just jump up to that high G. And I know for a lot of sopranists, that's just like normal. They just do it. Mm -hmm. But I'm more of an alto slash mezzo soprano voice. So this is my highest note that I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So right and then the just edge. kind of, okay. yeah. And then it's like forte. So like mm -hmm. very loud, very yeah. reassured, very dark and like <laughs> majestic. Mm -hmm. And you have to do that, I think, three times within that piece. And it's such a cool moment with the orchestra and it's so empowering. And at the same time, I was so scared of missing that note in some way yeah. <laughs> but but um yeah so we will perform it again next time then yeah people can watch us do it <laughs> yeah, yeah. but um yeah so that was like that was always like a little bit scary moment but it's also cool because you have to kind of just train your muscle memory so well 
that you can just hit the note and just stay calm. And it, it totally worked out, but and it was then like a very majestic feeling. But at first I was, I was, a, I was really scared. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, that sounds like, like a real challenge, but it's cool. Yeah. And maybe, um, yeah, also going, going to the, the, the difference between video game music and, and other music. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything in your mind like um, that makes video game music unique? And, um, or how does it compare to other forms of music you've worked on? Is there some differences? Um, yeah, there's definitely differences. Um, so, of course, as you already said, uh, video game music is very adaptive to what is happening. So, like, there needs to be a lot of music implementation and sound design and music design in there um, so that the the track changes while the player experiences different things, different options. Um, I think that is kind of like the, the biggest difference. Um, and style-wise, it is that's just a subjective opinion. Um, I just think video game music is a bit more mm, is a bit more ready to take a risk musically mm. and to just try something out of the box. That is just my feeling, though, mm, okay. as as compared to maybe film scores. A lot of the Hollywood film scores compared to video game scores that came out maybe in the last three years. But yeah, that's just my my feeling. Hmm, that's interesting, yeah. And um, yeah, connecting on that on that dynamic music stuff because I'm, I'm <laughs> as you can tell, I'm really into all that and and seeing um, like th there are advancements in in especially in sound that you have like dynamic reverb that's uh, mm -hmm. very accurate and rendered and a lot of other stuff that's so interesting to do that normally you couldn't do a few years before. So uh, like you as, as someone who's like deeply connected to both like the gaming and music industries, do, how do you see like the future of interactive audio and its potential impact on, on storytelling? Whoa, yeah, th that's a really big question. I would I love to have Marie Havemann with me right now. I'm not sure if you know her. I, yeah, um, I, I, yes. uh, I, I, I try to contact her because I want to get her wonderful. on the show as well. So, oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> She's just wonderful. I would love for her to answer that question because um, while I work on the music of video games, I'm very much on the soundtrack side of things. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a lot of connection to um, the music implementation and sound design and music design, but I just think it's super interesting and fascinating what you're doing. And uh, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to say. I am also just really, I'm very excited to see where it will lead. I think that's yeah. my stand on it right now. I'm just like, whoa, this is amazing. Where can it lead now? <laughs> yeah, yeah well, that's, that's interesting. I, what yeah. do you think? Yeah, I mean, what I feel it's is interesting is that you can um, nowadays make a lot of, I would say, variations in sound mm -hmm. without having to record um, a lot of things. Because usually, um, that's something that I always tell people. That the interesting thing about doing sound for a dynamic medium like uh, games is, if you have a, a movie and you have a, a character that shoots a gun, he shoots it maybe five. Like if it's not a like massive action game, he shoots it uh, action game action movie. He <laughs> shoots it maybe five or, or ten times, um, like very very upfront, and you have this like iconic sound that you have like ten times. But if you're designing video game sounds, you um, it's th not not often that you have like one or two sounds or five sounds. Normally, it's more like 30, 40, 50 sounds, mm. especially for things mm -hmm. like for creatures, for example. You have the movement, you have the hurt states and uh, the attacks and different attacks and states and all those interconnected. Maybe the movement uh, is getting more aggressive and the character is is, is more hurt or something uh, like the, the, the creature. Mm -hmm. So um, you have a lot of those things. And I, I feel that... Um, Especially with implementation, you can you can get a lot out of their uh, sounds you recorded um, without recording so many variations and make so much more stuff in engine nowadays. Because yeah, like engines like Unreal Engine and especially like middlewares like Fmod and and Wise, the, all the audio implementation stuff, they're getting more and more advanced and they have more and more system power to work with. Because like yeah, the systems get more powerful and especially they they learn that also audio. Uh, needs more power, more processing power, and so you can do a lot of stuff there. So I'm guessing that's going to be more interesting and even more interesting in the future that you even even less now feel like there's like recorded sounds in a video game because, mm -hmm. I mean, you can hear that in very old games. You have the footstep sounds and after about like 10 minutes of playing of an old 90s game, 
you realize those were like the 10 sounds they recorded. And those uh, are the recordings, yeah. right? right? True. I mean, sometimes <laughs> you have some reverb on them, but still, you, you hear that as the bass sounds. But nowadays, if you have a game like, for example, um, God of War Ragnarok had like a massive team mm -hmm. and they recorded a lot of stuff, but they also made massively amazing implementation systems. So it's like you can listen for the sounds and maybe you hear like, yeah, components of one sound in another, but it's all dynamically mixed and it's all like wow. it all sounds very more grounded and more realistic because of course if you're walking for 10 miles each step normally sounds a little tiny bit different yeah and uh, yeah those those yeah those opportunities are exciting to me because it means we can immerse the player even more because sound and and music is a is a big draw for immersion yes oh wow that that's so fascinating Nice. Yeah. yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, it's also that's that, that's the thing that fascinates me. That's. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of recording. That's of course also why I do this podcast <laughs> because the recording side is interesting to me and the way yeah. you can do so much things um, with just the recording, um, mm -hmm. with the right microphone or with the right moment in time. Um, but it's so much more interesting when you can then elevate those things and and make them mm -hmm. yeah so much more feel so much more alive. So yeah. Yeah. It's so cool to hear like how passionately you talk about this and it's just like a super fascinating topic. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's great to hear. <laughs> I can nerd about sound for hours. Uh, that's why I started Same. this podcast. So I can nerd <laughs> yeah, I, can. I can nerd about oh. sound. Yeah. People can listen if they want to. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, and going to the point of recording, I mean, sound recording is a is a vital role in in, in capturing your vocal performances. Mm -hmm. um, as you as you already told, you now have those microphones that suit your voice. Um, but can you like maybe share some insights um, into your preferred techniques? Do you have something where you're like, okay, I I know for this thing I will use this specific microphone of my, mm -hmm. out of my two, or do you use any effect chains on your on your voice for different things? How do you like change your voice? Um, after you recorded it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I do, uh, like, I have these two microphones, as I mentioned mm -hmm. before, the Manly and the um, SE Electronics R&T. And the R&T I use for, for example, when I, see uh, when I sing lyrics, um, because there I find there is a bit more, like, clarity in how the R&T captures everything. It's, like, very detailed, very, mm -hmm. very... Um, clear, <laughs> very clear sound. And then when I sing vocalizations that are mainly like, ah, <laughs> like in Horizon and like yeah. I, I do a lot of vocalizations, to be honest, I, I tend to use more of the manly because it has this like warm, big sound. And I do feel it makes a difference to kind of choose the microphone based on what I'm singing. Um, yeah. And then um, in, in Cubase, I... Let me think, what do I do? I mainly just use just a little bit of EQ, um, just a tiny bit so that the recording sounds very like clean and everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that it has exactly the right like representation of the, for example, this, this um, high part at around like five kilohertz. Mm -hmm. For some reason, it's really good if I add a little bit of that <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. because my voice is naturally a bit more... Um, like the timbre is a bit, um, can you say maybe darker or more mellow? Of course, you when can I say sing. anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm asking you like if that's sound, correct. Right? <laughs> Those are <laughs> yeah. the correct terms. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So because of my because my voice is a bit more like mellow and a bit um, darker in its timbre. I tend to just um, elevate a little bit of those high frequencies so that the crispness is not lost, mm. <laughs> so to speak. But other than that, I just, um, I edit the vocals and I just make sure that it's like um, a very clean track and it's very like neutral almost. Mm, yeah. So that then the composer can decide what to do with it, what kind of reverb to choose and everything. Yeah. Ah, yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, that's that's perfect because you, you're giving like a pristine material with your... That's um, what I exact, try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And with, yeah. with your exact style, as you said, like the very light EQ, um, how you learned your, your voice, uh, how you liked it the best. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's awesome. I mean, and I mean, the, you can hear it in, in the final product that it's uh, it's amazing. And I'm, I'm pretty sure people are, are pleased with the stuff you deliver because no. <laughs> they keep hiring you. So um, yeah, um, that's very cool. Um, and then going... Going back to the live performances, then if you 
if you set like your style and your microphone and um, for that specific character or for that specific track, how do you then transfer that to to the live performances? I mean, it's different than the studio recording. I, I don't know if yeah. you know beforehand what kind of microphones they have, what kind of systems. How do you prepare for that? Um, oftentimes I don't really. <laughs> mm, yeah. Oftentimes it's just like, Here's the orchestra. This is your microphone. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, okay. I have my uh, own in-ear monitoring at this point, which is really helpful mm -hmm. because then I just know no matter what happens, I have it with me. <laughs> yeah. And I also plan to have another one so that I just have like, um, how do you call it? Like a spare pair? Mm -hmm. Like a spare, <laughs> I, I can't speak today anymore, <laughs> like a spare uh, set of in-ear monitoring. So yeah, yeah so I, I have that. But microphone-wise, um, I've just, I think we've always been just very blessed with really good, um, I think they're called also engineers. They're like the, yeah. the sound engineers, yeah, at the, with the orchestras, they're just really good. Yeah. Um, And yeah, so they just, I, I just trust their magic. <laughs> and then of course there's like specific things that you always have to think about when singing live, especially that you, for example, if you have a very loud note that you um, take the microphone a little bit away from mm, you, yeah. as opposed to if you want to be much more close and intimate kind of, um, yeah. So I think these are just very normal rules to, to watch out for. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, I just trust the sound engineer. <laughs> trust the sound engineer. Very good. I I, yeah. I, I want to have that as a quote. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's very cool. That's cool that you also don't have to like worry about it and that you get like a pristine, mm -hmm. um, yeah, a pristine uh, live performance because the setup is so good. That's cool to hear because I that that was something uh, seriously that I always wondered like if you are used mm -hmm. to a certain style of microphone and a certain style of mm -hmm. of singing if that transfers to the live um, to the live acts because yeah. Uh, as you as you already told me, like is you're, you're coming there and you have no idea. Yeah. But it's cool that they have. I mean, they have probably in in that kind of big orchestras you play with, they have uh, enough professional people that they know how to set this all up so it it it, it fits. Mm -hmm. But um, still, very interesting yeah. to hear that that it works that way. Yeah. Yeah, and it's I I think it's just um very it will always be very different to studio recording anyway. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I think what I've learned over the years is just for, for any vocalist <laughs> out there who starts to perform live, please ask for um, in-ear monitoring or if you can use your in-ear monitoring. Because sometimes, um, at least uh, in, in my experience, um, in some venues, people ask just like, hey, for like a smaller setup with maybe a string ensemble or something, they ask like, hey, can you just sing... Um, while hearing yourself on the speakers or monitors. Mm. And that kind of never really works for me because if yeah. you don't have that um, auditive feedback, it's very hard <laughs> to yeah. sing exactly on on key and everything. So yeah, just having the inner monitoring will just be amazing. Then then it's all good. Yeah, that's a very it's a very good tip also for people in the studio that have someone maybe for the first time that that uh, records some singing or vocals for them, mm -hmm. give them uh, a, a a good monitoring chain that is like without latency and maybe a tiny bit of yes. reverb. Because the other thing is also in the studio if you give if you give someone, um, yeah, headphones and they hear themselves but without anything and have this like dead room effect on them, mm -hmm. um, that's also very distracting sometimes. So yeah. Put a little bit of, of, of care into the monitoring. <laughs> That's so interesting because for I, I know a lot of my colleagues prefer to have a little bit of reverb and like the whole vocal chain already on there mm. to hear themselves. But I just need a dry signal. Oh, that's <laughs> I just need to yeah, yeah I, I always record myself like hearing myself dry mm -hmm. in the speakers. Yeah, I, I don't know how people do it with reverb. It feels like w because there will already be so much reverb afterwards. <laughs> yeah, <of laughs> to course, me, it feels like it's already like watering down what I'm... That that sounds like negative. No, it's no, not. I, I know what you mean. You, you can't you, get you like know the what core. I mean. um, yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah, too much reverb is also a problem because just as you said, like you can't hear like the, the raw material that you want to record. Um, but I think um, what I mean is like a very like an almost not noticeable amount of reverb so that it doesn't um, sound that bad. But if it okay, if it's good fair. for you, then it's also fair. I mean, it's interesting because so far I've mm -hmm. only met people that um, that didn't like that at all. Um, uh, me too. <laughs> a lot of my colleagues um, also like to have to put just a little bit of reverb on on while they are recording. Yeah, I'm, I'm th I think I'm an odd case. Yeah, 
cool. <laughs> it's very cool to hear someone someone have that. That's cool. Um, yeah, going also a bit more about like your singing styles. Um, you you said you have a, a a certain style of singing, but you you like to challenge yourself. So, um, how do you like adapt your singing style then to suit different musical contexts and different like styles and genres and mutes? Do you have like um, something? Do you study the material first and try to find out how you sing that, or do you try mm -hmm. to emulate a new style that you haven't done before, something like that? Yeah, there. I mean, there goes a lot of like vocal technique also into this, mm -hmm. <laughs> of course. So, for example, I really had to learn to um, to minimize my vibrato a little bit whenever I sing more like pop songs, because I used to have like too much vibrato that would make everything sound very cinematic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And I, I just had that example. I was just actually today I finalized my recordings for an end credit song of a new video game that's coming out. I can't say what it is, of course. Of course, NDAs. Yes, <laughs> but it's it's more like a pop style vocal. So I did the first like two or three takes, and I noticed like oh, I'm back in my like cinematic voice. <laughs> so it sounds just very ethereal and with like the vibrato in the end and the breathiness. And I had to make it like less vibrato, more um, more like a direct approach and uh, use more of that, um, how is it called? Like some vocal teachers call it twang. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, if I do this like extreme, <laughs> it's a bit more of that as opposed to kind of this. <laughs> and, and this kind of twang I needed more when I record pop vocals. Um, yeah, so it, it is all like very different uh, from each other. And I admire vocalists so much who can do like all the different styles, like classical opera singing while doing the cinematic stuff, while also singing on metal or something. I, I really admire it. Um, I think I'm cut out mainly for the cinematic things and a little bit of pop and um, like, how, how would you call it? Like world music, <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah. these things. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting. That Electronic you, music. Yeah. <laughs> that you also have to, to watch your own technique and then maybe adjust it. That's yes. Yeah. yeah. Especially maybe because I've been singing so much cinematic music that at one mm. point your muscle memory kind of is very used to certain ways of reacting to the music. And then you have to kind of catch yourself <laughs> and be like, <laughs> okay, wait a moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, and yeah, I, um, one question that I, I also wanted to ask, do you have any like uh, memorable fan interactions, like people recognizing you even like maybe now you were on stage for, uh, for a while and, and people mm -hmm. should at least some people should, should, um, see you <laughs> on Gamescom or something and then say, Hey, you, you're the one from Horizon or something. Yeah. So at, at, at games events and of course the concerts, people, yeah, do recognize me. Mm. But um, just in the like real world, just outside randomly, I don't get recognized really. There oh, was perfect, a funny right? instance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we as soundtrack people, we are more uh, behind the scenes. So it totally makes sense. Um, there was just this one funny instance. Um, a few years ago, I was um, on the Portuguese island of Madeira. Mm -hmm. And I was just there with my boyfriend at the time and we were hiking and we kind of got lost in the, in the jungle of Madeira. Mm -hmm. And I had like mud all over my face already. I think we were like at hour eight or something of the hike and we were just wow. really done. And somewhere in the middle of the forest, we found like a little bus stop and the bus was like there like two times a day or something. So we saw like, oh, it's going to be here in an hour. So we were really lucky. It was already like getting evening. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we stood there and then people, uh, another couple came to that bus stop And the guy was like, you're Julie Alvin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it awesome. was actually a composer I knew. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Who was also there on travels. But it was really funny. And my boyfriend at the time was like, are you famous now? <laughs> and I was like, no, this is just like <laughs> the biggest coincidence. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. But a really nice composer. And I, I just thought it was amazing that he recognized me like with dirt all over my face <laughs> and everything. And only seeing each other online. For a yeah. few years, yeah. He, he probably recognized your voice while talking, I, I would guess. While I was a like... Composer, right? <laughs> yeah, probably while I was like uh, desperate and being <laughs> like, oh, where is this bus going? <laughs> like, when is it coming? <laughs> Almost singing. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, <laughs> no, but I, I think that's the thing with uh, soundtrack musicians. I mean, there are some very prominent um, people like Tina Guo, the cellist, or like different composers like Bear McCreary. They also get recognized outside of our like soundtrack bubble or mm -hmm. the game industry or gamers. Um, but a lot of us like work behind the scenes and people don't really know our faces or our names And I kind of like that. <laughs> It's kind yeah, of cool absolutely. to be like, to to kind of pull the strings behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's cool that then, then still that at those events, then people come up to you because it's like yes, in that space. That's and really people, nice. Yeah, recognize <laughs> like you games there. events. And yeah, yeah <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah. So the only other question I really have is like, is there anything you always wanted to do, but didn't have a chance yet? A any specific style of music or any project? that you have in mind oh that that is a you ask big questions oh, i know <laughs> like but that's that's a really good question um i mean last year when i was asked that question in an interview i said that i would like to sing on a hollywood movie and that happened now <laughs> that happened with, yes. with gran turismo <laughs> it's really crazy it yeah. is so crazy so that was like a big dream and also to become um, a member of the recording academy um for yes. the grammy votings um but Like just music wise, I think what I really want to do is one would be sing on a bit more metal projects nice. <laughs> because I've done that before. And it's it's kind of cool because I can do the ethereal elvish thing while the like oftentimes male metal singers do the growling and mm. stuff like this and the screaming. And it's kind of a really cool juxtaposition. Absolutely, um, yeah. So I've really enjoyed that in the past. So I would love to do that more. And also I would love to come back to a bit more of violin playing and piano playing and composing, honestly. Oh, um, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because I've that is how I kind of started out and it felt so magical <laughs> to discover like the different harmonies and to compose something recorded. And nowadays when I'm done with a studio day, I'm just so thankful to not have to listen to music anymore it sounds so bad now but yeah, i i really love the music while i record on it and i i go like full out and it's my passion but then afterwards i just need a break from music do you do you recognize this do you have this as well from audio then yeah absolutely i mean i always tell people like the worst thing about working in sound all day is like you can't listen to a podcast or you can't listen to music so mm -hmm. if I had a very busy day with with just listening to stuff and especially sounds, um, yeah. you need a lot of breaks. And so sometimes, like if it's a lot, um, mm -hmm. then I don't want to listen to music. But still, then I, I personally I love music and music gives me energy and, yeah. and it gives me like relaxation and sometimes like can resolve anger or whatever you have. Yeah. So um, that's something that I'm really missing. So my technique to like counter that is try to structure my days. So that I don't do too much listening uh, mm -hmm. at the same time. So I, I do office stuff or I do integration or, for example, I go out and record, which mm -hmm. is always relaxing. Because you're still listening with your ears, but sometimes you can just like put the microphone down, leave it there for an hour and yes. just meditate or... Um, and that's that's a very cool oh, way of like... Nice. Yeah, of, of having those contrasts. So then back in the studio, listening and like manipulating frequencies or something... Um, that's that's the other side of the spectrum. So I try to balance it out. But mm -hmm. yeah, that's something um, that, yeah, I, when my ears are done, I just like to <laughs> listen to nothing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Maybe my, da same. my daughter laughing or playing with oh, my daughter, but still. That's so um, sweet. Yeah, I mean, I oh. try to not to not get my ears to that point where they're fatty. Oh. So, yeah, that's that's yes. the most important thing. And I think that yeah. is important. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I totally get that. And if you're working on the same project and hear the same sounds, um, or for you, like hear the same music, at some point you're like, oh, I'm so sick of this song. Um, so I think everyone yeah. gets there at one point. I don't know anyone, uh, any colleague who is like, no, I could just listen to the music 24-7. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's human nature, of course. But yeah, I think yeah. if you if you pace yourself and, and, and structure yourself, if you can, because sometimes you have those mm -hmm. deadlines and you need to finish something, But if you can and, and structure that, that is a way of, of countering that fatigue. Of, totally of things, agree. Yeah. yeah, and also just a different musical style or genre already mm -hmm. helps as well. So if I go bachata dancing afterwards, <laughs> I just know yeah. I can still listen to the music because it's very different. Um, and one thing I, I wanted to say as well, I'm not sure yet how I can 
do it. But you asked about like goals for the future. Yeah. And I want to say that I really, I, I just noticed that we are very privileged being here in Germany and being a part of the West and just having, um, like having recording equipment available and just being able to do this. Um, and I just want more and more people around the world to be able to record themselves and start a career as well. Yeah. And I kind of started helping people. I mean, I help everyone who messages me and asks me questions about recording or about becoming a vocalist. I think it's just very important to... Um, to help and support people who start out. Yeah. Um, but I just want to see the kind of geographical thing <laughs> to expand because um, like, let's just say 10 years ago or maybe 15 years ago, when if you wanted to be a soundtrack vocalist like I am now, you kind of had to be in LA. Yeah, yeah. I know what and you mean, yeah. Very now I'm, Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of widened <laughs> over the years at least to other let, let's just say typically western countries we have to yeah. be honest yeah so i i do feel lucky being here in munich and being able to work with la composers and different composers all over the world and um, but also i just think like what if there's like a little julie person <laughs> singer <laughs> upcoming singer um, in in a country where you just don't have that um, access to equipment or where there's just also maybe that kind of um, like I, I don't know how to how to explain it where people just don't expect you to become a musician or a yeah. studio person yeah and yeah. have a very different experience uh, life experience also a very different style and very different ideas um Yeah. yeah, that's something that's always that's always also interesting to me, and I'm I'm reaching out to people all over the world because mm -hmm. that is also something that's interesting to hear how they go about recording and what's their experience totally. and what their influences are, and um, yeah, I'm having a, a hard time so far finding a lot of people and, and contacting them because we have our like Western bubble even in the internet. Yes, it is um, a bubble. But that's, yeah, yeah, totally. That's, that's the barrier I'm trying to break as well. So I I can totally relate to that. Yeah. And I, I think maybe like collectively it could work more and more if we tell more and more stories of different cultures and then yes. let the people of the different cultures kind of create the music or the sound design or oh, yes. just listen to different perspectives and how they would approach a soundtrack. And I think that's just very important because, yes, we are, it, it is a bit of a Western-centric industry, Um And I kind of want to change that. And I'm not sure at this point exactly how, but I think if we all are at least aware of it and try to kind of make it a more inclusive space, that's just very important. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good goal to have. I mean, it's, that's uh, something to work towards and then you can like break it down into, into smaller uh, goals and tangible goals and can tackle them one by one. But um Yeah, I totally agree with you. That's a that's a goal we should all strive for. And mm -hmm. what what's really good is that you have like this first step of just like you said, everyone who messages me, you you try to answer and try to help. Mm -hmm. And I found that um, like so far, everyone in the in the audio industry has been that that way. I mean, yes. even like massive talents that I've written and asked on the podcast, even if they don't have time, they write me a really long. Uh, email back and uh, saying that mm -hmm. they hope the the podcast goes well and that they oh. love new people going into the craft That's and cool. they are answering my questions and so the audio space is very open and we all have to make sure it stays that way and and keep yes. that spirit so yeah I feel uh, so good job. That's wonderful. <laughs> you, <laughs> you as well. I mean, yeah, you with your podcast you really like connect all different kinds of people and I'm excited to see where it is heading. <laughs> Yeah, thank you, thank you myself as well, and uh, it's it's cool to hear that people that have no uh, no experience in the audio industry, um, no matter if music or sound design, are even still interested because mm -hmm. like there are so many different fields uh, of, of yes. audio, and I, I like bringing them all together and trying to learn as much as I can. I mean, just um, on episode 11, for example, I had mm -hmm. uh, Mariana Lopez on that talked about musical heritage and trying to recreate. Mm -hmm the sound of spaces from history and stuff like that. And it's something like I, I've never heard of that before. And I love to like mm -hmm. shout that out to other people as well. So, yeah. I, I remember I listened to, I think, half of her episode today. 
Oh, nice. So that was just really fascinating. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. She has a lot of cool things to share. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's so cool to hear all those different angles. Um, mm -hmm. That sound is so much more than just music and yeah, sound effects. And there's there's art and there's all these different like sub genres and sub mm -hmm. uh, like jobs that yeah, like acoustical heritage. Never heard of that before. I found that and it's very interesting to me. So yeah, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, so the, the only thing really left is, um, yeah, if you have any shout-outs, if you have any projects you like to promote, any people you like to thank, um, now is your spot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's too many people I want to thank. I want to thank, like, all the people I've worked with. Th this sounds like an award speech now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I Let want me to... get out the statue. <laughs> just a second. Uh. No, no, but I think just in general, um, we wouldn't be where we are without our peers and without... Um, the people who have helped us along the way and who we've worked together and collaborated. So yeah, it would be a very, very long list. Um, I'm I'm just grateful to still be a part of it. And every year that passes, I'm like, yes, this is amazing. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's hard to shout out just one person, you know, or <laughs> like two people. Yeah, yeah. Any any upcoming projects? I mean, um, we will post the tour dates, of course. But if you have anything else um, that you already can talk about, <laughs> yeah. So so this end credit song for this one video game that I can't talk about like yet or name yet um, is yeah. It's it's gonna be upcoming. <laughs> and um, yes, if if people are interested um, in the concerts and they are here in Europe, then yes. So in February 2024, there will be concerts in. Uh, different cities in the Netherlands so maybe that is interesting and yeah then in April there should be a concert coming up in Spain but I'm yeah we're still in the process of confirming that so yeah awesome okay um yeah again thank you for taking the time it was uh, wonderful to speak with you thank and you I wish you all it the was best. really nice <laughs> all the best for you too <laughs> thank you Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting on patreon.com slash fieldandfoley or ko-fi.com slash fieldandfoley, where you gain early access to episodes in lossless format and can submit questions for our guests. Thank you for listening.